0: these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Prime. So, the
1: Optimus Prime got, got some groove and let's roll Super on Fly this motherfucker. Prime. <laughs> yeah, Superfly Prime. Oh, oh my I'd God. I'd watch
2: it, I'd get that toy. Hell yeah. That would be awesome.
1: And here we are. It is the spoiler room. Welcome, my friends. Thanks for taking a journey down here and joining us as we discuss. Uh, tv related horror films this month and this one is gonna be a doozy uh it seems like almost all the ones involving tvs seem to get pretty wild and tonight i've got a great crew with me to talk about this most interesting film first off we have the bfd himself mr glenn bittner hello glenn how are you
0: hey what's up
1: Glad to have you in the spoiler room tonight, sir, as always. And next to him, returning to the spoiler room after long nights of editing and a successful film festival, it is none other than the lovely Andrew Shearer.
2: Hello, Andrew. How are you? Hey, man. Hey, long live the new farts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And if Casey haven't seen the title of the episode, yes, folks, we are talking about David Cronenberg's 1983 Classic Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while,
0: ever since. What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images.
1: I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucinations to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please,
0: come to me now. Come to me.
1: And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry.
0: And James Woods, a shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners, coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures.
1: Now, Videodrome is definitely an interesting story. Uh, someone here want to give the summary? Andrew, would you like to give the summary of Videodrome?
2: Oh, man, hey, that ain't an easy thing to do. So, yeah, I'll take it, man. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Video Drome <laughs> is made by David Cronenberg, the Canadian master of horror and body horror. Um, it's about a guy played by James Woods who runs a small cable access station. And in order to compete with the other TV stations, he decides he's going to specialize in the freakiest stuff possible. And he runs across this thing called Video drome. That's got like sex and murder and stuff. And the more he tries to find out about who made it and what it is, the crazier his life becomes. And that is Videodrome.
1: That's actually a very good summary of it. Well done, sir. Thanks, Um, man. (laughs) Now, Glenn, uh, do you remember when you first watched Videodrome? Yep. Quite clearly. (laughs) and uh, what were your thoughts on it
0: well uh it was three days ago really Where I, I i've seen the whole movie start to finish sure sure i've always caught like snippets here and there it is uh uh it's a mind fuck is what it is um in a good way so um, yeah, it's just it's just trippy as hell. It's I think it's a little slow to get started. Mm-hmm. But once it does, man, it's a ride.
1: Yeah, it is definitely trippy.
2: Um, and Andrew, how about you first time you saw Videodrome? Uh, had to have been uh, around the time that Fangoria released this like uh, poster magazine and basically sure. it was like all these little f- foldouts of really gory stuff that could go on your bedroom wall and uh there was a poster for videodrome in there and uh <laughs> it was the shot the like the you know the, the major gore effect in the uh, shot of a Barry convex lying on the dance floor with general so's chicken flying out of his face <laughs> yes. and so so uh i um i was like well i've got to see this and so uh i rented it from the video store and uh i think i'd already seen um the fly and scanners uh, at that time but didn't necessarily like connect who made it. And so uh I just was like, you know, I don't get this, but those it was so gross, like I'd never seen special effects like that before. And I of course knew Rick Baker. So mm-hmm. uh I was really, really into uh anybody that reads Van Goria is really into special effects and gore. And So um yeah I have to say that there's I'd never seen anything quite like that. And as a kid you're just going like whew, okay. (laughs) But not (laughs) long after that, my dad took my friend and I to see Naked Lunch at the Terra Cinema on Cheshire (laughs) Road. So so we were like, video what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll kind of negate. Well, the two kind of go hand in hand in many ways, actually.
2: I was just like maybe 13 or 14 (laughs) years old when all this is happening, so...
1: And, yes, uh, I am in the same boat as uh, the BFD. I, well, I've seen short clips, I never sat down and watched it from start to finish. And let me tell you, it is trippy. It is a mind fuck, as he puts it. And it was a blast. I, I love this thing because, you, you, folks, there's movies. When you watch enough of them, you think, oh, I know where this is going. And I'm watching this and I'm going, Okay, I did not expect it to go to the places it did. I mean, I know David Cronenberg, but wow. I mean, you're right. I mean, it opens with uh, Max Wren, played by James Woods, and he's basically got his, uh, he runs Civic TV, the one you take to bed with you. (laughs) Just a sleazy channel, and uh, yeah, we we catch him. and I mean, it starts off with him, and I'm like, wow, you know, technology, the the way this thing plays out, it just throws you for a minute. He has a video play at a certain time with his schedule. Uh, (laughs) did, Did that throw you off a little bit on maybe what time period this was at first? Uh, cause I didn't realize you could do that back then with a Betamax machine <laughs> andrew does does that throw you off a little bit on like what you know is, is this in the future or what?
2: Um, I mean we, I think um you know videodrome was simultaneously trying to be uh, make a commentary on where communication and mass media was at the time and also be kind of pre- well largely predictive. Of, uh, of the you know the global village and, and sure. things of that nature and so um the, the idea of just video screens everywhere was kind of the way things were at the time if you remember like videotape was new and cable tv was new and all of that and so it wasn't necessarily far-fetched but it does kind of it does kind of throw you off especially now if you watch it because you're like could did they do that in 1983 <laughs> yeah who was doing that? Was it was I thought Max Hedrum was the only one. Maybe no. <laughs> Max Headroom.
1: How about you, Glenn? When this opened, does it does it throw you off a little bit? Where she's like talking to the screen and and telling him of his his day. I almost thought that was a live feed at first.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's one of the things with this movie is it's it's I love trying to figure out what's really happening and what is just in Max's head.
1: Yeah. that that really that line in there Cronenberg does a great job of just keeping you wondering like what the hell I mean uh, all the way through this film even in the beginning when he gets his yes folks this what I love about this because this film is just mind-blowing it's hard to pick a point to start but what gets me is I'm watching this going holy Crap, this thing is still relevant today as far as its subject matter and themes. Just replace TV with Internet. Yeah. I mean, did you get that feel, Glenn? Like, the themes and such that he had here still could apply today?
0: Absolutely. I I think it it applies more today than it did when the movie was made. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy searching for more subversive stuff. Uh, how about you, Andrew, with this? Would you say it still applies today, even though, uh, you know, it's more Internet than TV?
2: Yeah, uh, you- I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when you're a kid growing up in the video age, as I was, um, and cable and all that was new, you know, you're, you every kid is familiar with the uh, from uh, uh, the grew up that way is familiar with the the uh, scrambled porn. Yes, that you that you would try to find, and 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 you would you would find some channel that like if you switched it right. I say you, I say me, my brother and I would like we find if we if we flip to this channel really quickly, we get an like you know half of what might might be a nipple. You know what <laughs> I mean? And it was just like the thrill of seeing something that you that someone didn't want you to see or that you weren't supposed to see or something that was beyond the censorship of television and even regular cable. You know. And and so now you think about well, what all is at your fingertips, people are watching the most extreme stuff ever. I mean, it just as the internet grew, you remember Rotten.com and all of that. You know, oh yeah, oh, we yeah. just you were. It's a it's a matter of who can who can find the freakiest stuff. I mean, we're we're all a bunch of little Franks from Hellraiser. We're a bunch of Uncle Franks, you know trying to reach the limits and so yeah Glenn is exactly right uh, and the older this movie gets the, the, the more relevant it becomes because back then I think there's no possible way they could have known and yet yeah. they were sort of seeing the socialization of media uh, coming true and it all kind of linking people together and uh, as and <laughs> the body becoming like when you're on it you you kind of don't exist or you exist in a different way
1: right and And there's a character in here that we meet a little later on who was in charge of Videodrome, which, at its core, as described before, videodrome is just a video of people being tortured and murdered. um and it it's created, we learn by this uh, gentleman, uh, Brian Oblivion. <laughs> I love the name. Um, but he gets some monologues in here as well about the 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 mind's eye and, and the experience and how the experience of what you watch on tv suddenly becomes the person i mean there's some heavy concepts going on in this film that you know people may look at it just go as some weird horror film uh you know what do you think of his monologues uh andrew at all would you say those were a bit of
2: a a, a unintentional uh forecast or prophecies if you will the guy freaks me out um, the Brian Oblivion character always freaked me out mm-hmm. because he's never seen physically. He's only appears in video. and As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the movie, there's this uh, talk show where uh, James Wood's character, who, if I didn't mention before, in real life, is a huge piece of shit. I mm. should definitely, I don't want this to go by without me mentioning. James Wood's a huge piece of shit. <laughs> um, Debbie Harry from Blondie, she mm-hmm. is a Nikki Brand, which, ha if you've seen the movie, that's funny. Yeah. Um, they are on a talk show together with Brian Oblivion but Brian Oblivion will not appear physically never he does he's only on uh, on the video screen and only pre-recorded it's not like a live feed coming in from anywhere that to me is disturbing mm-hmm. that to me is like i was saying a representation of like me you and glenn right now on the internet together where are <laughs> we really we're nowhere we, <laughs> we're right. disembodied you know it's a freaky concept And so the things that he is talking about in combination with the presentation of it, him on the TV screen and that voice and the way he looks, he becomes, he looks like just unreal. Mm -hmm. But the stuff he's talking about, I mean, it is way out there, but um, you could think of back then. They're not too far removed from the first generation of TV. And of course, any new technology we get, everybody thinks is going to give you cancer.
0: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: yep every technology but especially tv because i remember those days you know and that's kind of why i wanted to do this month as well because especially in the early days in the rise of tv all these horror films were talking about the horrors of tv you know but that's been talked about for years you know it's going to rot your brain um and, and now people only use it for a video game console but uh, he does talk about some scary stuff. Glenn, how about you with Brian oblivion? What, what'd you think about some of the stuff that he talked about kind of heavy for a film like this?
0: A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Especially again for the time period.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, what'd you think about the fact that he was like pieced together from video footage? Cause he had already passed away. I mean, that, they've done that stuff now. I mean, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just more more of this foretelling whether or not they actually intended it to. But uh, one of the things I find interesting too is the Max Wren character. When we're introduced to him, he's running this show. And as Andrew mentions, he's on the talk show and he's already hitting on Nikki Brand. I mean, he, he's not yeah. there like three minutes. And you think this guy is scum, but Glenn, you soon learned that he's rather tame compared to a lot of things, don't you? He's what? Tame compared to
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, which is, you know, I mean, compared to what else you see, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, what'd you what'd you think about that? How they introduce him? I mean, they set him up as being the sleeves ball guy, but then you realize well, he might just be sleaze ball for show. Do you think that's it? I mean, just because of its business wise, or you know,
0: possibly.
1: You know. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I could, I could see that, sure.
1: Because he he has that, uh, you know, he, he gets involved with Nikki Brand, and she just starts. I mean, she gets scary instantly. Andrew, what about you? Do you think Max Wren is is actually a guy who on the surface is acting sleazy in that and then realizes, oh, dude, you have no idea?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the world was way smaller back then, too. You know, what we have with the Internet, and with mass communication, is like a greater awareness of what is out there. A lot of people's reach um, was mostly just the only people you knew in your life were, you know, the people in your town. Or maybe, you know, family out of town. You didn't know, you know what I mean? And so there's no possible way a guy like him could ever understood really what he was seeing, you know. Because uh, yeah. there's a conversation that he has uh, with a woman that makes porn. And um, he's, when she finds out where video drum comes from, she's like, stay away, it's bad. And he's like, what is it, the Mafia? You know, and then she's like, you know, it's it's snuff, and he's like, I don't believe in that. You know, that doesn't exist. He's one of these people that, you know, I mean, he he can't he can't fathom it. To him, Nikki Brand is like a turn on because of the weird kind of kinks that she's into. You know, and but you can tell in the conversations he does present himself uh, as as a you know as as a more of a, a with it kind of a guy or a street smart kind of a guy. But she blows his mind really quickly talking about being cut during sex and stuff like that. And what does he do? He starts real real small. He just he he pierces her ear uh, mm-hmm. while they're laying together naked and that's ooh a big deal for him, you know. But yeah. boy. <laughs> does does, does <laughs> is he still green uh compared to what happens to him later. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> and she I like the Nikki Brand character because you feel like she's kind of amused by him and she's just like, "Oh, you, you check this out and and he you know i it almost like she enjoyed his reactions almost more so than what she was doing to herself like oh, yeah. burning her breast with the cigarette that's right <laughs> in a rather seductive david cronenberg man the him in body horror i don't know many directors that do it as well as he does <laughs> I mean, he made he made it actually a little bit of an intimate, scary yet somewhat sensual scene with her burning herself
0: with a cigarette.
1: Or am I just sick, Glenn?
0: Yes, and yes. Yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Perfect answer. Hey,
0: thank you. <laughs> would
1: would you say though that David Cronenberg really seems to handle? the body horror well, and he does manage to turn some of these things they're doing to, you know, the, the, this pain stuff actually presents it in a rather intimate way, rather than say, you know, uh, other films that show it in the more brutal way.
0: Um, Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: At, le- at least with the Nikki brand uh scenes and max going on. Um, it seemed to be handled more like not just show, like you actually believe. Oh, this actually does turn her
0: on. Boy, does it ever! <laughs>
1: <laughs> to the point of where she wants to seek out video, Jerome, <laughs> and yeah. audition. What the mm-hmm. hell? <laughs> so we get the idea that Nikki Brand may have some issues, right? <laughs> <laughs> what you what'd you think of her portrayal as a whole by Debbie Harry and, and how Nikki Brand was written? What'd you what'd you think of this character compared to say some other female characters we've seen in the early eighties horror, Glenn?
0: Um, I think she does a pretty decent job in this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially considering that she's not really, you know, I mean, how much acting has she done?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. I like her in this role. But I yeah. like Debbie Harry, so...
1: Oh, sorry. You, you like Debbie Harry?
0: Well, yeah, of course I do. Of
1: <laughs> course, Blondie. Uh, she knows I how to rap, pulse. too. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, how about you with uh, Debbie Harry, her performance, and how they wrote the Nikki Brand character?
2: I think it's cool, and I think it's awesome that they cast a musician, uh, someone whose face was very familiar in media you know mm-hmm. uh, particularly like you know on mtv and stuff because that was also something that was fairly new at the time uh that this that this movie came out and the fact that her character was highly sexualized um that goes hand in hand with the uh, you know like casting Marilyn chambers and rabbit a few years earlier for cronenberg mm-hmm. you know uh this is kind of like a great marriage of the exploration he was doing with the body and disease and the explorations he was starting to go through with technology um, starting with like with uh, scanners a couple of years before it. So it's all, and you know, and he started out making kind of sci-fi. So it's, mm-hmm. this is really when it all started, started, to kind of, I don't, I don't say it came together completely because to me that didn't happen until really into like crash and existence many years later. But <laughs> the way he was experimenting with it, video drama is a very experimental film
1: yeah it is uh and what's interesting too is even though i mean because we're talking early 80s we're talking horror the nikki brand character really is in control and such throughout this film. So you never really i mean until we see the clip of her from what happens to her when she auditioned that video Jerome later in the film but up until that point it all felt like she was in in the in control of things and she wasn't just being led by Max are convinced to do things by Max. In fact, Max is the one being convinced to do things. <laughs> so he goes to uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Pittsburgh. <laughs> I just laughed that, that he goes to Pittsburgh to track down Videodrome because he finds out that's where it's actually being filmed and not in Malaysia where his video pirate buddy thought. And here he meets the daughter of the, the uh, o- oblivion, and
2: Andrew, where does the daughter work? Oh man, so she works at the cathode ray mission. It's just like basically uh, Brian Oblivion had made this like uh, homeless shelter, but everybody's got a TV. I mean, you he he f- goes from like this this sort of like um, you know media profit into like a religious figure and just like in, in the span of moments when you see this, but her office is gorgeous. Like this set for um, Bianca oblivion, mm-hmm. this, when he walks into her office, God, that's an amazing looking thing. I can remember like when I got the blu-ray from arrow, Um, I had seen the movie on DVD before. And while some of the special effects look a lot crappier on blu-ray, that Office is insane. I mean, it's a really cool and you know, a stark contrast to uh to um the shelter and stuff, but mm-hmm. god, it really does say everything about the characters and the way the story is going. Just when he enters that room, it's it's nuts.
1: Yeah, it is nuts. Glenn, what do you think about Cathoid Kath- Ray mission and uh Bianca Oblivion? <sighs>
0: It's great. I that's, yeah. I mean, I need to watch this again because I know that there's things that I missed. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping I'd be able to watch it again today. I just did not get a chance because yeah, it's just there's so much going on, and it's just you can't watch a Cronenberg movie once and expect to get everything that's going on. You just can't.
1: No, it, it, what I love about it too is he he sets these things up like the cathode ray mission, and at first I chuckled. I'm like, I did not expect the cathode ray cathode ray mission to to pop up because that'd be something like almost like you would see in a shtick maybe from like Mel Brooks, but then you get in there and suddenly it it's actually kind of spooky in there. Yeah, the the, the idea of you know providing all these TVs for the homeless on one hand you're like it's kind of cool but on the other hand you're like well why you know <laughs> you make you wonder
2: why is this happening well I, I mean i my my theory would be it's just to sort of globalize mm-hmm. uh, mass communication and so you know you're you're not a true community and a true culture unless everybody can really kind of experience similar things and have a direct line and to have everybody else lives and again it's like you guys were saying about the internet and how predictive this sort of was like think of everybody that can that can interact with everybody you could have all different kinds of economic backgrounds now um, talking to each other so in a way it does it is like making the community stronger in, in Brian oblivion's mind and, and his estimation by having them all sit in front of you but the one homie is sitting there watching surgery like really close <laughs> Like, I don't know if he's the right candidate for this. <laughs> Maybe start him on Flintstones.
1: Dude, dude, you gotta back away, man. No, you don't. You don't want to do the do the gallbladder removal yet, man. got like, That's
2: back. not porn, man. You're not looking at a vagina. That there's an epiglottis, buddy. Back off a little bit, okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, but after this experience, he starts to have massive hallucinations. And, Glenn, what does he do with his TV when he gets home?
0: The, the TV that's breathing and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> there, there are unnatural things to do with a TV, and he does them.
1: Never mind the VHS tape that has the yeah. little the little uh, the Betamax yeah the Betamax that comes sorry not VHS yet this yeah VHS be VHS yeah. would never do
0: that VHS is approved.
2: prude <laughs> it is approved. prude well, it's but smaller beta- you know it fits more places the Beta tape
1: yeah. <laughs> <And> the Betamax <laughs> bubbles like two boobs I mean oh man um. <laughs> Or that wasn't just me, right? It it was meant to bubble, kind of suggestively, right? Or did my brain just immediately go to boobs when I saw it?
2: Well, if if that's not a boob, then the giant gashes in <laughs> his abdomen is not a vagina. Oh, thank you. Good. I'm not the only one that thought that. You'd have to be insane not to think that. Yeah, because it's not a it's not a wound. It doesn't heal up. You know
1: <laughs> well, come on, and, and then he's got he's got the was it uh the gun or whatever and and he slides it into himself, mm-hmm. and you think it's pain at first, but I don't think he was in pain when he was doing that. I don't know. I just know it was weird that he had a vagina in his abdomen, uh, which. Right there, the special effects in this just blew me away. Glenn, how'd you feel about the special effects in this film for a, a film like this?
0: Oh, they're for for again, I keep going back to when it was made. When this was mm-hmm. made, yeah, the effects are great, um, they're bizarre, but it works. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Andrew, how about you with these effects? I mean, as a filmmaker as well, uh, both you and Glenn are filmmakers. I mean, that. That's pretty impressive for back then, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, they had the top-notch guy. I mean, Rick Baker had just done American Werewolf in London, which he got like the first makeup effects Oscar in history for, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe and, so. And uh, you know, so he's got his crew of guys out there doing this stuff. I don't think this is his best work, but I think it's some of his most original work. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they made any of this possible, the fact that he read the script and didn't go. Give me a break. It's amazing, you know, because we're not talking about like monsters or even gore here. Um, there's stuff that I watch it even now going, what is that? How did they do that? There's sometimes when it looks super hokey and you can tell that it's a fake chest or, uh, you know, a very, very fake arm in one scene. But other times you're just like, dude, wha- how? Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. What? Like the gun. Some of the, yeah, yeah, yeah the gun, and in a particular where the gun then melds itself to his body, right? Um, you can tell that uh, Night on Elm Street Five, the motorcycle that fuses to the man, was very influenced. I would say rips off the effect uh, that mm-hmm. this happens it's like basically the exact same techniques were used, um, but just you know to to bring such a strange vision to life is not only impressive on a you know, at a technical level, but it also really kind of serves as a pretty great visual metaphor about fetishizing technology and like today becoming one with technology to where we would rather uh, be with the uh, computer than with the human being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this case it was the TV versus the human being, but uh, he's still got
2: his hand on its titty as it were, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he still yeah. sticks.
2: He still sticks his head in the, in the monitor to make out with the, exactly. You know, he's, he's he's not out on a date, right? He's, he's at home with his, uh, with his great love there. the, the, the technology.
1: The, the TV he feels up, as, as Glenn so eloquently put it. Some unnatural he's not thing. kidding. He's,
2: he's not exaggerating. He's
1: he's not exaggerating at all, folks. James Woods is literally feeling up his TV and shoves his head in the mouth. And then, yeah,
2: then he goes down on it. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> And
1: that's just some of the stuff. The vagina and the slit in his chest, which not only that he can see, but then we are soon... Dun 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 introduced to kind of a big bad. In the you know, you think at first maybe it was Brian Oblivion, but no, no, it's not him so much who's the big bad as uh, this gentleman uh, named, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Bear Convex or very convex, Barry convex. <laughs> Barry convex who who makes glasses. And Gwen, what'd you think of Barry Convicts? The I guess the villain of this film.
0: <sighs> yeah, optometrists are evil. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an interesting choice of villain. Um, again, it's the you know it, it 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 leads you to believe of the what's really going on here? Cause it just, it seems like an odd villain, but I guess it also works because it's like, who's going to expect the guy who sells glasses of being the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember going, you know, who's probably the villain that nerdy dude over there. Who's trying to sell you some, uh, some bifocals.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's intimidating. <laughs> Which makes you wonder? Do you think, Glenn? They don't go into it. They talk about he talks about the TV and and the videodrome signal. Do you think he was leading, or what do you think uh, that he maybe was leaning towards making glasses eventually that would do that to people?
0: Possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I could see that.
1: Because again, I was trying to figure out the reason for making the optometrist the bad guy outside of, like you said, no one to expect suspects the optometrist.
2: I mean, I, I think it does make sense though that somebody who deals with uh, perception and uh, the you know the the most important sense to uh, to television would be the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, I, I do get it.
1: Yeah, it, and I caught that connection as well. Um, And he, we learn, is kind of the guy behind the Videodrome signal, and they actually use it to control people to do things they may not do through hallucinations, including whipping a TV. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> He's whipping a TV, Andrew. What the hell, man?
2: <laughs> it's great visually, you know. And, you know, Cronenberg dealing with metaphor in a lot of his movies, you know, there are people that, 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 uh, that subscribe to the idea that the fly is just about cancer, you know? Sure. And so, um, you know, with that in mind here, you know, you can enjoy it purely as, you know, for its visceral thrills and be like, damn, I never seen that in a movie before, (laughs) which is cool to say in 2017, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. But also, you know, you, you look at what he's kind of, what he's kind of saying with, with all of this stuff about, um, you know, the, the dangers, you know, cause mass communication is good, but also could it be bad too? You know, yeah. what, what could you possibly see? What could somebody be possibly doing and what could, what is seeing violence, you know, and, and pornography for that matter, mm-hmm. what, what maybe is it doing to some people? Yeah, you know, is it helping them because they then aren't going to seek violence or or something like maybe rape or even like maybe adultery out in real life because they can then experience it artificially, and therefore it's it is serving a purpose, or is it just creating this like I need more, I need I need you know it's not enough, Mm -hmm. and uh, and sort of aggravating that you know it asks a lot of really interesting questions, Um, and so when you see things like the guy like basically like masturbating with a pistol or, you know, somebody whipping a television set, you know, it all kind of plays into what he's, what he the questions he's asking here or mm-hmm. the commentary he's making? Cause I don't think Videodrome has a staunch stance one way or the other, because I think if it did, it would be a conservative one and only James Woods would be into it. Cause James Woods is an asshole but, <laughs> or a piece of shit, whichever, Which, whichever, but you know what I mean though? I think mm-hmm. it, I think, it all, I think it all kind of really serves, as crazy as it, it all is, I think it really goes uh, to serve um, the, the, the kind of statement that he's making, which is one of just like, how bad is it? How bad could it get? And is it good or is it bad or is it both? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I felt that too, that he wasn't really trying to say for sure. Unlike some other TV horror, TV's bad. He's just showing, well, they could possibly do this, like the government using it to turn you into a Manchurian candidate, more or less. Um you know, and then and then we get the thing where eventually at one point he goes completely off, and whereas Convex thinks he's got our boy Max under his control, suddenly the power of the power of the woman helps break him of that control. Yet he's still hallucinating in the video drone and he's still in control. But he becomes something else—the whole, the new flesh. It lost me there. <laughs> Glenn, can you help me out at all with with that? Was he completely now, you know, a video signal, or what? What was going on there? Because I love the phrasing, you know, that long live the new flesh. But at the other end, I'm like, um, I'm missing something. I know I
0: am. I think the new flesh is just referencing his uh, chest vagina. Chest vagina, (laughs) yes. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure what it's meant by that. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a fantastic line.
1: It, it it caught me. I'm like, oh, that is so badass. I'm like, what's it exactly mean? What's going on? <laughs> and, and, and I like films that do that. I like films that keep me guessing, going, okay, what is the significance? Andrew, what about you with this whole long live the new flesh? Did he become the Videodrome signal? or I, I couldn't quite get that outside of everything got even more jacked. And crazy, uh, after um, he went there.
2: Well, the thing is, it's like you know, you've you've got you've got uh, Barry Convex, and these guys are you know believing in the reality of the movie. They've they've hit upon this signal, this television signal, that can uh, cause hallucinations in people, and therefore, like I said, mind control. And Manchurian Canada is a great comparison. Um, but to counteract that, um, the Oblivians kind of uh, as as either. Maybe early versions that they created, they were trying to do something good, and maybe these guys hijacked it and made it something bad. They have a remedy for it. They can counteract it. And so what Bianca essentially does is she undoes what Videodrome did to him. Mm-hmm. We're talking about him, we're talking about Max Wren, the main character. She undoes what it did to him, and then he becomes like you know this this vessel for vessel for like you know he's an assassin, but for them. Right. So, but he is no longer in control of himself. Absolutely. Um, Max Ren goes through a, a process of being destroyed in this film. So by the end, um, he, you know, it's, it's like he destroys himself, but not really. He's been gone a long time as a human being. I mean, he's checked out within, I don't know what, like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, about 37, 40 minutes is when he starts really having a hallucination. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's like at, at a moment you go like, well, maybe. Okay, so he's back to normal. We're not seeing vagina chest anymore. We're not seeing uh melty gun hand anymore, um, which are and great visuals, by the way. Those things look fantastic. And, you know, make make video drum unforgettable. But you're going like, okay, well, now he's got these powers. Because um, he goes to the optometrist's place. He finds his old working pal, uh, Harlan. And uh, instead of... When Harlan tries to shove another videotape into him to give him some more orders to control him, not this time, pal. He puts like this... I don't know. It it looked like a a gory organic bomb onto the stump of Harlan's hand that blows him out of a wall i don't know if we have convinced anyone listening to this to see this movie but there's no way you can spoil video drum you have to see it
1: yeah (laughs) well because and what got me was okay maybe he's elucidating like oh no that guy actually blew up there's a hole in the
2: wall because the people in the real world see the hole in the wall well and andy's wanted for murder Yeah, you know, he he shoots his bosses because Oblivion or no Convex tells him to when he's under their control because he wants the TV station. He wants to hijack it. He's he's trying to take over, and so he's like shoot your shooting your partners and we're taking over the station. Damn if he doesn't go in with that pistol and just tam tam both the guys sitting in there, you know, probably just having their first cup of coffee. You know, it's like going to work doesn't suck enough. Then one of your coworkers, you know, puts a few in your computer. You know, and so. Um, he's he's like wanted for murder. He's on the TV and he's out, you know, walking around. Yeah, and yet prob- no one goes, it's you. ah. So it's a strange thing because you're like, why aren't the cops all over him? Why is he walking around broad daylight? I mean, it's, you do sort of some kind of, sometimes kind of feel that perhaps this stuff still isn't really happening. The movie mm-hmm. just puts you in a very like antagonized, confused state, but not so much that you check out. You have just enough connection to reality where you're going like, you're very invested and want to know what happens next.
1: Yeah. It keeps you fascinated. That's what's great about it is because you're just like, well, okay, maybe it's reality. Maybe even as, as crazy as things happen, it doesn't, he, he really treads that fine line. In this uh, of not going a line that's crossed, I think, a lot of more, a lot of times in modern cinema too often to where you're just like, yeah, OK, that's, you know, he's in fantasy world. But here there is that line pretty much close to the very end. And even then you're just sitting there going, well, what did exactly happen and what didn't happen?
2: Yeah, it's great.
1: You know, yeah. Never quite revealing it. Um, and I think his bosses were just watching another episode of, uh, was it the Samurai dreams?
2: 20- oh, were they? Uh, I wish the last thing they watched was like Winnebago man. <laughs> the
1: subterranean market, if you will. Uh, yeah. I loved how they called it that I'm like, they
2: didn't call it underground. They called it subterranean. Um, well, you know, underground doesn't seem like it's like, I don't know like pulsating yeah. <laughs> subterranean market sounds like it's not only pulsating, but covered in a pretty thick layer of Vaseline.
1: <laughs> so uh we, we've talked quite a bit about the film tonight. And uh now I, this is the part where I uh go to my lovely crew members here and find out if they have a topic or subject we haven't talked about yet that maybe they want to bring up because uh, they, they definitely are, very creative minds here. So Glenn, did you have something that we haven't touched on already that you may want to talk about?
0: I think we've touched upon everything I wanted to.
1: Ah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I need to watch this one again Mm -hmm. because as I said, a movie can't be watched once and understood or (laughs) 10 times and understood. (laughs) (laughs) Or just understood, or
1: just understood something you have to watch over again, and then when you answer some questions, you then have even more questions. Yeah. Andrew, how about you? Uh, any subject or topic we haven't talked about? You maybe want to uh, bring to the group tonight.
0: I think discussion- actually, I, I do. I, I do oh. have one. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Go All ahead, right, Glenn. Glenn. Do you think, or uh, Andrew, because you saw this earlier, could you tell? Back then when you saw this, what an asshole James Wood would turn out to be.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think he always had an asshole face.
0: Yeah. It's just it's it's he's really he's like a he's like he's like the wine of assholes. He's just become worse with age.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like like if like if the wishmaster had a skin tag (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's all I did. <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to say. That just kinda came I had to mute
1: that, you, Glenn. You can't say stuff like that when I take a drink. Damn it. I'm sorry if I coughed into the mic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I didn't say he was a skin tag, but it fits.
1: Uh, it, uh, <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: wow. That's a good question. Um, it, it, actually, in truth, when you watch James Woods, I always liked the movies he was in. But him, you could uh, the presence he had—you kind of got a f- feeling that many of the uh, characters he played were exactly the same people that he was like in real life.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think he acts much in, in regards to that stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah,
1: you you do get that impression. Um, I'm, while it's fitting. I'm,
0: I'm, pretty sure the director just goes all right and just be you <laughs>
1: uh, <clears throat> sorry for folks for if I coughed into the mic there uh, that's why I, I love you guys so much
2: uh, <laughs> Andrew did you have something <laughs> besides skin tag woods uh, I don't know where that came from I was just I, don't know. I was gonna go one way and then it just bloop anyway so <laughs> So uh, uh, I thought it would maybe be a fun one since there was a lot of kind of heavy discussion uh, in amongst this thing. Uh, and I'm a big Cronenberg fan, so I could go there. Um, but I, I, we, you know I like the the way we're going kind of talking about the internet and kind of how predictive this thing was, and uh, some of the early discussion about uh, going to the edges and seeing kind of freaky stuff. Um, as I think we all, since we're all grown-ups here, Um, at one time or another had someone pass us a video that was kind of memorable. I just want to know if both of you could choose to describe kind of the strangest, grossest, or weirdest video that you have seen to date. Um, and and uh, and this I don't I don't necessarily mean something YouTube that was funny and don't make a joke out of it and say it was some kind of Tom Jones video. I mean like something that somebody showed you because they wanted to freak you out, or something that you looked up because it had a reputation, or somewhere you were when you just went down a rabbit hole and then at a moment when you saw something realized it was a mistake. Oh. Glenn, you could go first.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Um. Andrew, do you know who Rob Schraub is? Yes, I do. Okay. He's uh, he's my friend's brother. Oh, really? And, yeah. And a video I got to watch because of him is uh, he and his friends, when they were out in L.A., they used to do this thing where they would all pick a movie they hadn't seen before. And then they would all make a short movie about what they thought the movie was about. Huh. And one of the ones that he did, it was Jaws 3, or Jaws 3D. Oh, no, sorry, not Jaws 3, uh, Jaws 4, The Revenge. Um, and, yeah, that one, I didn't know what to expect. I expected something weird, because it's Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michael Kane is played by an orange. <laughs> <Kathy> <laughs> is a lemon. A little <laughs> paper boat. Jaws is played by Rob's penis with a fin on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: So, yeah. (laughs) That was probably one of the most fucked up things I've seen. Uh Um, And and Rob, he had compiled this thing called his one-man party tape, which was just all these snippets of weird things, and that was on there along with Uh, there were these things called the vampire vignettes Mm -hmm. done by this guy in Southern Wisconsin that they're, they're, they're so awful in that. He didn't know he obviously, I mean, this was done. He was obviously recording and probably editing on like, you know, like two VCRs type of thing. Oh yeah. Um, So there's like almost no editing. It's just the cuts are super long. And the best is that the vampires all have really thick uh, Southern Wisconsin accents So it's, you know, like vampires saying things like, don't you know, my kind can't be harmed by your pathetic drugs. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this stuff is
2: brilliant. You're not making me not want to see any of this. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, no, it's it's this is what you you hear stuff like this. and You're like, I got to see this. Right. he He had also taken there was a it was like a PSA video for girls with Down syndrome to teach them about their period.
2: Oh, I, I've I, yeah, I've seen that. You've seen yeah. that, so yeah, it's an old movie, yeah,
0: yeah. And oh my god, it is so utterly nineteen sixties male condescension. Uh that is just—it's—it's it's like a little time capsule because I mean, it's like people will talk about you know how you know there's misogyny today, but but boy, man, the sixties and the fifties.
2: Yeah, the, the dad is running that whole oh, conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah, when the little girls like. But, Dad, men don't have peri- periods. And he's, like, so smug in his answer that's, that's right. Men don't have periods.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God. Oh, man. No, that one, it's, 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 it's pretty great. You yeah, know? it's, I mean, it's even
0: did... better because Rob edited it. And he added on the very end a montage of music with snippets from the video. The mo- music being monkeys, chimps playing in a band as was also very popular in the 60s, the whole monkeys dressed in clothing doing things. So he huh. took this this weird video and he made it more uncomfortable.
2: I've seen a version of it acted out by adults, but they kept the soundtrack. Oh, mm-hmm. right.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what, you know. And there's a snippet of, of some movie with, uh, I forget her name now, mm-hmm. uh, Anna Nicole Smith, Skyscraper, outtakes from Skyscraper.
2: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, where well she she is obviously so fucking
2: loaded on ecstasy. Well, she's falling asleep while she's doing her lines.
0: Yeah, and she like can't even say them right. She can't even say them right. This like they're like the guys they have someone who's reading her lines to her so she can just repeat them. Yeah. And it's like Dallas Tower entering your airspace. And he's like, Dallas airspace. Tower entering your airspace.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: God, brilliant. <laughs> Everything on that tape is just it's just bizarre and weird and snippets of weird movies, some that we've never been able to find. And that's all that whole tape is. And and some of that stuff he got from uh, other friends of his, the, the period thing he got from Drew Carey, because Drew's like, I don't want this in my house anymore. And Rob was like, this is never leaving my house <laughs> because that's the type <laughs> of guy Rob is. So, yeah, it's just... And I, we have a friend who for... I don't know how many years, every girl he dated, like one of the first things he would show her is that Jaws movie. And I'm like, you wonder why you're not getting it with these women. It's like the first thing you do is like, hey, look at my friend's brother's dick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that usually work for you.
0: <laughs> it, it apparently did not because I don't yeah. think, I don't know if his current wife ever saw them, but yeah, it was just like, dude, why do you, you show it to everyone. It's like, you are in love with this thing. I don't know. It was bizarre. I mean,
2: I, I I kind of am, but I don't think I would. I
0: mean, don't get me wrong; it's it's eight. freaking hilarious. Yeah. When it first shows up, and you know, it's like it's all about Michael Caine ate Jaws' cereal. So all of a sudden, you just hear this: you see the the cereal, bowl and there's there's Rob's naked penis with a, a fin on it and an eyeball going, "What's this? Michael Caine ate all my cereal."
2: That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's that's my weird fucking video shit. (laughs) Go ahead, Mark.
1: Um, (laughs) yours is fun and entertaining. Mine is soul crushing. Oh, knew it. I knew it. Yeah, I
0: thought thought yours might be, so that's why I went for happier.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Am I that type of person? (laughs) No, I just you're in IT, and I figured maybe you just run across something.
1: Yeah, well, earlier days of the internet, I forgot the exact name of the site, but it was like ex- extremely disturbing dot com or something. It was they had their own banner, and they it was basically if you've ever seen, uh, I talked on Astro Radio Z with Derek Carey. He got the shot on video stuff. He showed me the one with uh, that was soul crushing um, with with the actual. Sh- oh, the traces them. of death. Death. Yeah, that's what it is. Traces of death. It, this whole site was like traces of death. <laughs> okay. And I wandered down the rabbit hole because, yeah, I, I hit a point in time. What kind of crap is out there on the internet? Because the internet was still kind of new. And I ran across this site, and it's one of those morbid. F- fascinations where you're like i shouldn't click on that but i'm going to click on it now i'm watching this and i'm extremely disturbed but wait what's this link here um and i found one where it was in asia i don't know if it was indonesia or whatever korea maybe i don't know pittsburgh (laughs) pittsburgh (laughs) and they had these guys tied up they must have been prisoners and you had this one guy with a machete and he goes up and he beheads these guys on camera. There's audio and he beheads one. Of, and this has stuck with me to this day. And it's something that I realized this is real and that movies have never done is this guy beheads this one guy closest to the camera and just tosses the head aside and just drops the body and the body is trying to breathe and so the esophagus is opening and closing yeah and uh, that sound just stuck with me and I'm like okay (laughs) I'm done searching the internet for the night I think I've hit my limit um, but the sucking noise just, it stuck with me. And I'm like, God, that that's what a real beheading was. You know? And you—and you, I'm like, that's nothing
0: like the movies.
1: <laughs> Which I, I know movies are fantasy, but still. So that, that was one disturbing thing. And the other thing I really, if I describe this, it, it, people will probably leave the show and never listen to it again for the video that I watched that I was introduced to by a friend who found it. The show is called the movie is called evening with the Japanese. And it is the most revolting thing I think I've ever seen ever because it was real. Um, you really want to hear about it? <laughs>
2: I mean, no, but the people listening probably do. I mean, if they can Google it, you know, uh, it's
1: basically it was a series of six short videos, and it starts off with this girl eating live eels, which okay, you know, yeah, and and <laughs> it's like then it to, like, right here, proceeds live to it. her sitting on cinder blocks, playing a piano, and taking a dump, and there's worms, like worms in it, yeah
2: okay
0: and
1: then we're we're with you then a guy comes along and and has sex with her in the worm-ridden filth
0: okay okay you're not like out of the bounds of what i expect when you say something about the japanese so go ahead oh this is true (laughs) but
1: to me and it's just it just gets progressively worse the things that happen that you know she she's you know
2: it I love how Mark is struggling with this.
1: It burned. It it burned my brain. It really did. It I'm not asking
2: me. you to like go back there. I mean, you know.
1: No, but you get the idea. The, the whole thing just kind of gets progressively worse, like that. And she starts to eat it. And ah, uh, yeah, that was one of those things where okay, I found my limit. <laughs> it's like we have found the threshold that. That breaks Mark, and and that was, you know, that was it right there. So, it it was, you know, no video video drum seemed tame compared to this. The the clips, you know, with the people dying and such. But okay. um, that's my story, um, a little bit of ramble. Sorry, but you're yeah, sticking to it. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. It's
2: mostly an unsanitary story. It yeah. it is.
1: It's pretty unsanitary. And yeah. she, she needed she needed some medical attention. I think.
2: I oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you're, you're way past wet wipes. <laughs> yeah, you, you,
1: you got to get that Hart's uh, anti-worm pills. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that that they make for for animals you probably would help her with that problem. <laughs> anyway so there you go Andrew you wanted to know that's that was that was my limit um,
2: I, I did man you guys are I, I mean you, you could see though kind of what, what Video Drum's talking about you know you, you how the, the danger uh, so to speak of um, you know of, of desensitizing or people that are like okay I've seen this so there's nothing else to see nowhere else to go uh, you know and the perception mm-hmm. that perhaps your eye will be affected by something like that and be disturbed forever but someone who has, like, you know, consumed that from the beginning or accessed it, and uh, you know, doesn't quite have the empathy in place, um, or or can't possibly, because they have grown, they have grown up or been raised within a, d- a detachment or that experiencing life uh, out out of body, so to speak, mm-hmm. so not knowing as many people in the physical world as they do um, in the, you know, the ether.
1: Yeah, it's it definitely applies today. In fact, there were talks at one point of them rebooting Videodrome.
2: Um, well, I I feel like Cosmopolis is a is almost a sequel to it. And I had asked you in the messenger if you'd seen it because right. that was my take on it. It ends a lot like Videodrome ends, and uh, it's kind of like a commentary on. It kind of like almost like a catch up because um, Pattinson's character basically stays in his car the entire time. Oh wow. He's very, he lives a very like jaded and isolated uh, uh existence because he's been everywhere and seen everything and done everything. Makes me
1: wonder. I was thinking of one thing for a our special series next year, but maybe we should look at the films of David Cronenberg. Well,
2: I like them all. <laughs>
1: uh they are definitely unique and uh I think we're going to wrap it up here tonight, so we'll go down the line. I think you'll know what they'll uh, say, but uh, get my crew's final thoughts with Videodrome and also uh, where they can find you at. So, Glenn, why don't you go ahead first, your final thought with Videodrome, like if you'd recommend it, and uh, where can they find you at?
0: Oh, I would uh, I definitely recommend this. I'd say it's, it's better than Worm-Filled Poo, um,
2: <laughs> but not James Wood's.
0: <laughs> no, not James Woods. No, he is uh, worse,
2: worse than worm-filled poo.
0: Oh, he is worm-filled poo. He's, he's the skin tag on a worm in that poo. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet, dummy, um, <laughs> on Facebook with The B.U. Bunker and Guy in a Bunker. Find me at GuyInaBunker.com, on YouTube with Guy in a Bunker and The B.U. Bunker, or just follow me on Twitter at Guy in a Bunker.
1: Yes, check that stuff out, folks. It's great stuff. He's doing the 31 Days of Horror and doing a review every day. So you've got plenty there to watch. Great stuff there. Awesome guy in the bunker stuff uh, there as well. And Andrew, your final thoughts with Videodrome? Would you recommend it? And uh, where can they find
2: you at? I have to say, Glenn, I enjoyed your review of Repulsion. Really great. Oh, thank you, man. That that movie is different for everybody that sees it. And I all I will never get tired of getting people's take on it. But I, I, yeah. I really do I'm watching the videos, man. Don't, don't worry awesome. about it. I do. I watch everybody's video. Um so I yeah, obviously love video drum. I think um it will be interesting for all time. And so uh recommended, definitely highly recommended. Um my Movies you can find on Amazon On Demand. My latest one is called Space Boobs in Space, which most people agree is the, one of the worst films ever made, which makes me extremely happy because it's very influenced by stuff like uh, by Ed Wood or um, someone compared to Amazon Women on the Moon, and I thought I was going to cry. It made me so happy. Um, but uh, online, just look up Gonzerific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C, and you can... Uh, Find me there and get stuff there and look at pictures and all kinds of stuff. So, someone thought Amazon Women on the Moon was bad. No, there was. A, I was compared favorably to it. Oh, good.
1: Oh, good. Favorably. I was going to say you and mentioned that people mentioned your, your. It was the
2: worst film ever made. Uh, your, your film, and I'm like, I'm sure Amazon Women on the Moon was called by someone as the worst movie ever made. I just it's not hurting my feelings. It's only encouraging me. <laughs> Hey,
1: you're getting a reaction, right?
2: One gotten so other. many reviews. Oh, so many. Well, it's because it I got just, boob, boobs in the title. So yeah, I know, but and it's still, I just there's tons of boobs in the movie. Someone said there's no boobs. I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's just not, not a whole lot of areola happening. There's mm-hmm. some escape though. <laughs> it was accidental areola. You have to really look for it.
1: I might, I might have oh, wow. to. I'm, I've got my copy now. Now I'm going to have to go back and look.
2: 53 reviews. 53. (laughs) See that there?
0: That's awesome. And actually, the first negative review I see. Don't waste your time. There's about five seconds of Areola in this. Oh, he found it.
2: God, it's like (laughs) the Where's Waldo?
1: You need to put that in all your films now. You don't, you don't actually show the whole breast. You cover the areola, but one areola sneaks through and you got to find it. It'd be yeah, like, no, I know. I think most it.
2: of those are, are, move, are reviews by men who, who have never seen a titty and were looking for me to show it to them in its entirety. <laughs> and I'm like, look, if you've gotten this far in life, I can't help you. If this is still a thing with you, <laughs> someone has failed you and it ain't me.
1: <laughs> and on that note we're going to say a good night everyone we're closing the doors of the spoiler room so i hope you've enjoyed this, this is what your whistle and yes you were in the spoiler room we gave a lot of spoilers but you've got to experience video drone uh this was my first full experience i will be revisiting just like glenn because i know it was like just as your brain's trying to comprehend one thing there's another thing happening and you're like oh wait and there's more and more stuff. And the fact that you look at the effects in this film and consider it was made in eighty two, eighty three, around that time, it's it's if anything, if you're a gore whore out there or looking for some really decent practical effects, they're freaking amazing for a film like of this nature. So uh, but there's a lot of stuff in here, uh, not for the easily offended, but definitely for those looking to expand their mind. So we're gonna say goodnight, everyone. So, uh, gentlemen, uh,
2: what would you say? Long live the new flesh. Long, long live, long live the, the new flesh. flesh. Long live the new flesh, and uh, die soon, wishmaster, wish, wishmaster skin
1: Hey all my Spoiler Room friends out there if you like what you hear why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment and even subscribe to our channel it always helps us out or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well you can drop us a tweet on to Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.